Abriachen Forest Trust was set up in 1996 by the people of Abriachen, a scattered rural community set high above the shores of Loch Ness in northern Scotland. Originally set up to buy some 500 hectares of commercial forest and open hill, which the Forestry Commission had put up for sale, ten years later, Abriachen Forest is the largest community-owned forest in Scotland. Abriachen was the first community in Scotland to successfully purchase forest from the Commission, which it achieved by attracting funding from a wide variety of public and private bodies. We started off with a, 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 just a loose group who were, who were looking at the, the possibility of, of doing this. Uh, initially it was quite hard. Um, it was not something that was generally done back then. We're talking about the mid-90s. Um, uh, it's, it's a common idea now, but then it was something new and strange and, and uh, the powers that be didn't think it was a sensible thing to do. So we got a lot of resistance. Um, but it, it became, it, there were political changes and it all started to happen. Planning stages were having, having an original meeting to see if there were enough people interested. And there were enough, enough of, of, a, of a small core that were, that were interested. And what we were interested in at the beginning was, was just to ensure that access, access, an access agreement was written into the sales particulars. And that's really as far as we wanted to go, just to make sure that we did have continued access because up until then one or two large acreages had gone for sale and then padlocks had gone on gates so you know we were sort of worried that that might happen to this bit of forestry land that was was coming up for sale this small community 130 40 people and i suppose those early meetings there was only about 40 folks turned out but they were sort of of a mind to say oh well what have we got to lose um and we did have things to lose if we didn't uh buy the forest there were there were two two interests that we knew of one was a big timber firm which had just come in gone out um take the timber and maybe replanted the same uh the other one was a spanish shooting consortium and while i'm quite happy for spanish shooting consortiums to um to shoot away somewhere i didn't want it in my backyard we'd always had access to that hill that we call a Briacombe Forest. It was the old uh, peat cutting grounds and common grazings for the village. We always felt as if we owned it, even though the Forestry Commission did. And when they said that they were going to sell it and that uh, at that stage access could be denied, um, that was really what sort of galvanised us into saying, yeah, let's have a go at this and see what we can do. And a lot of talking thrashed out the the various objectives that we wanted to get. We, we were able to refine it down to a number of different areas where we wanted to see benefits accrue. We wanted public access. We wanted uh, environmental uh, improvement. We, we saw ourselves taking part in the restoration of uh, native woodlands in the Great Glen. And uh, we wanted uh, educational uh, benefits out of it. So we, we developed all these ideas and we put it together into some sort of coherent package. The community had to work quickly to meet the deadline for applications to purchase the land. They also had to engage with the requirements of various potential funding bodies. The closing date was about eight weeks from when we first became aware of it. And, uh, and I think um, 
we had to work very quickly in that respect. So we didn't use planning tools then. They weren't truly in fashion then. I mean, we we were sort of ahead of the ahead of the game as far as that was concerned, as ahead of the access legislation game as well. So, so in that respect, we were we were finding our own way. But because we had we had such a head of steam app and we were getting places, you know, we just we evolved to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. And talking about those three woods, I've been invoiced from... We took control of the business planning straight away. Um, we didn't bring in a consultant, we did it ourselves, because we felt if we didn't do it ourselves, we wouldn't understand it, we wouldn't have ownership of it. So while there were three organisations in the early days we were applying to for funding, we said there will be one business plan and we're doing it, and um, they accepted that. They all brought in the auditors later on and uh, they all had to have their own audit and um, all their own monitoring. Um, it's a crazy world, but in the, uh, we, we tried our best to take some control of that. Key uh, players were Scottish Natural Heritage and the, the, the Forestry Commission, who were extremely helpful to us. Um, as, as part of the whole setup of the project, it was necessary for us to get the endorsement of Scottish Natural Heritage um, as, as evidence to other bodies that what we were doing was sensible and was well founded. Um, so as part of that we entered into a 60-year management agreement with them and that was, was key to, to our, our next steps. Um, Forestry Commission um, passed the land over to us when we bought it um, and it turned out in fact that this we, we were the the first community group to buy land outright from the Forestry Commission. There had been other other forms of acquisition, like uh, management agreements, but we were the first people to actually buy it. We hadn't we hadn't realised it hadn't been done before. We thought it was something quite ordinary to do. And that's of the three. He thinks that's the second. Amongst the challenges for a small community group of volunteer development managers, like the Abriachan Forest Trust, is developing a representative consultation and decision-making process. The group also has to meet the planning and monitoring demands of the funding agencies. You know, it's always a challenge in a community is, that, is, actually, um, is actually reaching people who are maybe not totally interested until something, you know, triggers, triggers off a reaction in them. Um, we basically put notices up and um, got Willie the Post actually um, our dearly departed Willie the Post to you know to speak as, as he went round put flyers round um, had an open had an open meeting once we had some ideas and some things to discuss and something fairly fairly um, workable to discuss um, and we had an open meeting and so there were various techniques and, and basically just blethering around the place just making sure you blethered to people Anything further to say about the... One of our, our pitches for having the low impact was that it was low impact on, on the floor. We have very regular meetings and we encourage participation at these meetings from anybody that's interested. Um, and there's a very free-flowing discussion happens. And we would simply talk it through and arrive at a consensus of what was most appropriate, what was most important, what was most, uh, most needed. While you're going through these processes, inevitably different people crop up with different interests. 
and we, we were very fortunate here in that we have quite a range of skills which were appropriate. We have people with with project management skills, we have educational people, we have practical engineering skills, um, quite a range. We, we, did, we never had a big bashing out session, you know, that, I mean, they're logical things that we've chosen to do. I mean, they are logical, improve, improve biodiversity, improve jobs, uh, improve education in the place. And, and they, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just logical things to have come about. We were part of the Millennium Forest for Scotland um, and uh, because we had become involved in funding through, through that source one of our, one of our early priorities was, um, was actually uh, replanting this lodgepole that you see around here gradually with native native tree species. So that was one of our early priorities and, 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 and ensuring jobs were created in the process. So rather than wallop it all down at once, you know, do it in a in a slow and gradual way so that there was local employment outcoming. And the other the other priority sort of given given that one or two of us were quite keen on education was making sure that we got people to come out and, and learn in the environment. Um, well, once the sort of discussions and consultations in the community have finished and there's a sort of aim, I have to draw up a plan and then the plan goes to Forest Commission most of the times and then it goes out to what's called public consultation, whereby a number of, of statutory agencies are involved, likes of Scottish Natural Heritage, the RSPB, the Council, Deer Commission, SEPA, which is the Water Authority. There's obviously the three sort of strands, you know, forest economics, forest amenity and the social aspect. And what we did here was we zoned the forest, you know, where there's the priority area for the environment and where there was the area for recreation and where there was the area for economics. Now, that doesn't mean that they're excluded from the other zones, but the priorities are set, you know, on the forest, you know. And that was just decided on practical issues, you know, access or where people think is the nicest part of the forest or where there's, you know, nature conservation interests like stuff on the hill where there's black grouse, you know. Ten years after they first considered purchasing the forest to protect their right of access, the Abriachan Forest Trust has achieved a phenomenal amount, including forest restoration work, all-access footpaths, play areas, 14 kilometres of family-oriented mountain bike trails and a forest school with a permanent forest classroom under construction. Well, the vision of the forest school is to actually allow as many people as possible and a diverse range of age groups and abilities the opportunity to come out into the forest, practice various craft skills, introduce them to various craft skills um, and help them sort of develop uh, a bit of self-esteem a bit of communication skills, these sort of things, because they have to interact with the rest of the groups. And bear in mind that Forest School is comes into its own, really, with groups that perhaps aren't in the traditional school system. Um, perhaps they're guys that uh, are just on the periphery. Um, and these type of Forest School skills uh, are unique for them because they match their learning, learning styles. They're kinesthetic learners, they learn by doing. And that's where Forest School definitely comes into its own. Hi. 
we get early years, the little ones, um, because it's, it's, it's very easy because they've got the time within their, their curriculum to actually come out and spend a day or half a day here at the Brecon. But also guys with sort of emotional difficulties, learning difficulties, where Forest School um, can help them develop communication skills. I've worked with Forest School groups where you take a guy out and you spend three weeks, and at the end of that three weeks, he, all he's done is learn to bang a nail in, and he's developed coordination between that hammer and that nail. And that's all, within that three weeks, that's all we've achieved, but for that guy, that was something really special. The Trust's management skills have evolved over the years as they've learnt to work in partnership with a range of funding organisations and develop such a variety of projects while still keeping sight of their original priorities. We've had a process of opening up access um, around the hill. We've done it in a fairly opportunistic way as funding streams have come available. We very soon learnt that we had to have people who were dedicated to the work in the forest, so we had to hunt up the money for that, and um, uh, the, the big lottery land fund uh, was very useful for that. So that, was, that has helped us um, thin the forest and keep Andy, who is a local crofter, employed with the fencing, the thinning, um, the, the forwarding. It also gave us a part-time uh, forest officer uh, and Hamish um, keeps the place tacked together, um, works with the work placements that we get and takes on the sort of making it happen job. The planning and the funding applications and the thinking through new decisions has always been the board of directors here. It isn't always. You can sometimes bring in development officers and they tend to bring forward the ideas and drive the, 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 the business. Not here. It's tended to be the board of directors and it's tended to be their ideas and enthusiasms. No problem? There was no problem set out that was reported to me but Liam actually... The Trust seems to have found a way of managing the development process to date in a smooth and uncontentious way. They've prioritised building consensus over making decisions by majority voting. We, we've never really had a huge amount of conflict at all. Um, we've always listened to what local people have said. We've, we, we always make sure we have a rotation of directors as well, so that we, you know, we've always got somebody, somebody new in, somebody that's living in the place. And we always um, make sure that we listen to, you know, maybe not overt criticism, but just something, a whispering that you, you hear and make sure you, 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 uh, you listen to it. So, for instance, the bird hide isn't right out on the water's edge because, um, you know, we had to be sensitive that, that people with binoculars weren't going to be looking into sitting room windows. So that's why the bird hide is slightly set back from the water. We have tried very hard to do everything by consensus because I feel very strongly that in a community environment voting is, is, is divisive, it leads to dissension. It's, it's quite important to achieve a consensus over what's going to happen. Um, it does sometimes lead to an awful lot of talking. Some of our meetings in the early days did go on for a very long time, um, but it, it, we were able to achieve a consensus whenever we absolutely had to.
Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm delighted I'm involved, obviously, but it's, uh, I think it's a great success story for anybody in the north of Scotland, or maybe even Scotland, you know. It's, it's been very successful in converting a very non-descriptive forest plantation into something much more exciting, you know. Very successful in attracting a lot of funding from various agencies, very successful in maintaining jobs in the community and enhancing the environment of the plantation. I think it's been brilliant. I'm just brilliant. We've achieved a big improvement in our environment. A lot of people um, initially said, well, why are you doing all this? You know, what, what, what are you getting out of it? Well, what we get out of it, uh, apart from the fact that it's, it's, it's quite a lot of fun to do, um, but our local environment has enormously benefited. Okay, a lot of other people are coming in and enjoying it too. Uh, that's fine, I don't mind that. But we've got a lot to, to, to go for here. And also the community as a whole has been able to to manage the process of change. We, we can't prevent change happening. Change is going to happen to us if we don't do something about it. It's the key to any community forest trust is the people, or community project is the people. You know, if the people are in it for their own good, it will never work. If the people are in for the greater benefit of society, then it will work, you know. You know, I've been involved with a number of community forest trusts and Abrechen is outstanding in that, that it is, uh, I think the people are in, in it for the greater good, you know, rather than for their own benefits.